Hello and welcome to episode four of CoreCast, the Core Punk podcast. I'm your host, the creator called Boast. And with me this morning, we again have not one, but two guests from the Core Punk community. That's right, it's a morning show. We're getting our coffee on and we're about to get our talk on around Core Punk. Our first guest is someone you should most definitely know by now. That's right, it's the Blue Deer De Valen. He's returning today, and that's D-V-A-L-I-N-D-K on YouTube. Catch his regular content creation there, and also on Twitch. That's D-V-A-L-I-N on Twitch. Hello, Dvalin, and welcome back once again to CoreCast. Hello, good morning, and thanks for having me again. Indeed. It, it's a coffee morning for me. What, what are you drinking? Um, it's chocolate. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, very nice. Well, let's get into our second guest, Devalin. Our second guest for tonight is the infamous Sebastius. That's S-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-U-S-S -S -S on Discord. He's an insanely active member of the community on the CorePunk Discord, responsible for so much of the great yet sometimes intense conversations happening there. And he's a huge champion for the Polish community. In fact, there's a link to the Polish community that we will put in the description later on. And uh, so big thanks from the community for everything that you do, Sebastius, and for your just absolute tireless involvement in the Core Punk community so far. Hello, Sebastius, and welcome to CoreCast. Hello and good morning. I think you hyperbolized my description, but that's fine. I I'm sorry? I think you're overreacting. Are you saying and I, I good hyped morning, it? everyone? <laughs> good morning. Are you saying I hyped you too much? Yeah. No, nah, I don't think so, man. I, I think if uh, if there was uh, there's there's two there's two glues to this community that I see right now, and you're both in here. There's one on the uh, just constant content creation side of things, which is Devalin. And there's one on the just carrying, absolutely carrying <laughs> the, the community chat. And that's you. And I, I don't think that's an overreaction. Well, All right. It depends. But thank you. Let's, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, I want to say thank you once again to everyone that's listened to the first episodes and have contributed topics or suggestions. Thank you for your continued support. And this was a this is a crazy week. This is an absolute crazy week. We launched on Spotify this week. We launched on SoundCloud this week. And we got episode three out on YouTube as well. So a very busy week for me. Uh, a very busy week for CoreCast and uh, a really awesome week because it's it really feels great to get all that content out there. I know a lot of people were asking for Spotify and so Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, and uh, of course YouTube, all of these links will be in the various descriptions and you can consume this content however you want now, which is really cool. So... We've got some uh, some fun topics today, I want to say, and they come from uh, various members of the community. And then, of course, uh, we've got a very important question to ask Sebastius. But before we get to that, we are going to start with topic number one, provided by Ice King. And he asks items, and I replied with as in what they could be, what they should be, our opinions on that and what should be avoided. And he says, yes, and about the quality of items, as if one item could have more qualities, epic, unique, legendary, that kind of stuff. So, uh, guys, we haven't seen so much about items yet. Uh, we've got some teases to it in the trailer, some conversation happening a little bit around it. Um, but items, in the sense of the things that uh, you're able to equip, and maybe also consumables. Uh, let's talk about those things, what we know so far, uh, what we think they will be, and how they will uh, act, and what this will mean to gameplay. And Sebastius, since you are the new guy, I would like to put you on the spot and start with you. Yeah, sure. So I will start with the items qualities. Right now we know there are going to be normal, uncommon, Rare, epic, and legendary quality. Normal will have one stat, 
Uncommon will have two stats, Epic will have three stats, and Legendary gonna have four stats. That's how we know so far about the item qualities. And I think that adds a lot of variety to build making. Because you, in the end, you're all gonna end up with legendary items, but through the leveling process, it will be fun to have like rare drop when you are geared only in commons and in commons. It should be fun. And how do you think that's going to play out? Um, is this is this something that you think uh, will be fairly easy to get? Sort of like the gray items, for example, and uh, and and get a, a pretty solid inventory of items to start. Or do you think these will be super rare? Mm, depends. Legendary ones gonna be quite rare so far. We've seen from sack answers. Yeah. Okay. On this card because it's gonna be. Crafted from rare recipes and have small chance of dropping from world bosses and just normal world drop. Okay, but I think the commons one gonna rotate pretty fairly easy, fairly early in the gameplay because usually grave ones are trash that you're gonna sell to vendors pretty soon because uncommons is the way to go when you want to gear up in the MMO games. But we will see. We don't know much details right now. And do you think this is something, um, these things that we'll also be able to craft as crafters? Uh, you're talking still about gray ones, yes? Yeah, sure. Mm, I think it's going to be useless to have this on crafting table because when you want to craft something, maybe there are going to be gray items craftable just to level up the profession. Yeah. But in the end, you don't want to craft them because no one will buy them. I think Devalin might disagree. I think he might be the first one in line to uh, buy that item to get a, a head start in the game instead of waiting to uh, craft it himself. Because we know he doesn't uh, very much want to craft in the games. He just wants to go kill baddies. So, But yeah, it's a good point. Um, early on, uh, you know, crafting these things or picking them up in the wild... Uh, to get your uh, items and your inventory started. Um, yeah, sure, I will add some point to the earlier sentence. Okay. Now you mentioned it. it all depends on the level requirement of the item. If you can wear uncommon items on level one and so on, you won't buy gray items anyway to get a jump head start. And yeah. that's the point because we don't know. <laughs> And do you think these these things will be lootable off uh, off mobs as well, or or off of just bigger uh, creatures and bosses? Yeah, I think Sack mentioned ward drop in general, a ward drop in general. So it's gonna drop from mobs, everything, but it will have low chance. But okay. I see monsters dropping artifacts pretty fairly. Okay, cool. Because this is this is more important, I would say. Than uh, traditionally in, in MMOs because this is what it's all based on, right? Like we're not um, getting any stats on our armor, so the the stats are in the um, the abilities and stuff are going to come from items and these uh, they're called artifices, right? Artifacts, yes. Artifacts, yeah. yeah. So it, it's going to be all about this, I guess, as far as uh, stat building and and leveling up and and this kind of thing. Uh, Devalin, you as you mentioned before, and as I just uh, put your name on the spot as well, um, you're you're a killer of baddies, a champion of the realm, and uh, not one to go into that crafting menu and craft this stuff for yourself. So, at, at an early uh, level in games like this, um, do you go and search out this these like really like low tier items to buy just so you can get a little edge or do you just kind of power through it until you get to better stuff no well no i'm probably the guy who who the first 39 levels i i don't you know think a second thought about items at all uh it's first when i actually only come to end game like level 40 in this case <clears throat> where i will begin to talk about well think about end game gear uh, so the first 39 level, I, I'm like always, I don't really care what I use or which items I have because I just want to power level through the game uh, and kill baddies. But in level 40, when I of course come to the max level, I will be the guy who will be 
harvesting enemies, getting gold, and then I will be standing in the auction house 24-7 and buying items from people who actually do want to craft. Right. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be uh, on the opposite of that, uh, opposite side of that, as we discussed in last week's podcast. Um, I'm very much into seeing what the crafting will be like, and as a crafter, you have to start somewhere, right? So, as Sebastian mentioned, um, you know, maybe this is just a matter of leveling up your crafting skill, uh, because we do know that every aspect of the game, including crafting, is going to have a ranking system. And so to build that ranking system up, you you do have to start somewhere. Uh, Sebastius, I, I had a, a thought on this and, uh, and a question, two, two parts. Um, do you think these uh, items will be rewarded as quest rewards uh, and, um, you know, getting better with the higher the quests? And do you think um, that these items uh, will also potentially have like set bonuses, like... Uh, shoes of valor, coat of valor, and then you put those together, and then you have like uh, a bonus to your stats. Um, what do you think about okay. those two? First thing about the sets, uh, we already got confirmed that there are gonna be sets, like you said, from the developers. So we're gonna have boots of valors and mace of valor, for example. Okay, gonna count as a set. And back to those items, I think it's gonna be. Somewhere between questing and dropping from mobs. Because we saw in the trailer that uh, one quest gave gold and some kind of uh, blue artifact. So we're going to drop through questing and both in world drop. So, for example, we're going to have a, some artifacts from quests, but it will be nice to have better one dropping from monsters. That's how I see it so far. Okay. And Valen... What what about items uh, in this conversation is most interesting to you um, besides the the sort of base general items that we may want to have? Uh, is there anything that you would hope to see in there as a unique item? Well, I know Sebastian also has been has been playing a lot of Destiny Two. Am I am I right? Yeah, so I played it pretty much, but as an as for me, I'm a solo player, so I didn't try Leviathan right. I did in in fact try just some nightfalls, but generally I know how Destiny works. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the point I want to make with Destiny is that I'm I'm not sure if I want a system like that or not, because they have you know legendaries in Destiny, but you're only allowed to have one on each time. So you can basically get one for each of the slots, but you can only have one active at the same time. I'm not sure if I want something like that or if I actually want so you can actually have full legendary on. But I, I kind of feel like full legendary shouldn't be achieved. I think it all depends on the abilities because in Destiny, you, in this legendary item, you're gonna have, you are gonna have so unique abilities that yeah. one ability can, can one-shot people. Just like, for example, there is an ability that when you dodge, you're going to recover half, half of your HP. Oh, yeah. So, for example, those abilities are quite strong. So, developers don't want to have people more than one of these such abilities, which allows oh, for yeah. my uh, build making. We will see if the legendary items are gonna be like something I don't know, five hundred damage with like twenty second cooldown. Yeah, so that's basically just another skill that is str as strong as hero skill. So, having like six of such skill will be too powerful. That's how I see it. It all depends on the items. That yeah, that's that's correct. I, I remember in uh, World of Warcraft Legion, the expansion Legion, they had the same where you could get insanely overpowered legendaries, but you were actually only allowed to have two of the items on at the same time. Um, but for some reason, I just feel like I'm not sure. But for some reason, I don't like that system because then, then I get a really good head, um, but I have a legendary there, so. Do I have to keep the purple head or should I sell the purple head? Or what if I get another legendary so I don't want to use my head anymore because then I have to have my backup item ready for my head. Uh, so that's like that's like the scenario where you have to keep on saving a lot of items in the bank because what if there's another situation where you don't want to use your legendary head anymore but then you need to have another head because you know you, you just need these backup items and I'm not sure if I'm a fan of that. I don't think such thing will happen in Corpunk. To be no, honest, I think they based combat and builds when it comes to items more on mobile games. 
and MOBA games keep it healthy with items. So I think it's doable to do set of items that will not be broken, but you can wear a lot of legendaries and they will go nicely together because, for example, you're going to have three active items versus someone with six active items or legendaries. So he have a six active items. And for example, oh yeah, now I think about it, you can have two CC items, for example, on actives. And it's going to be quite broken. So we will see. We, we, <laughs> we first need to know the items to speak in such manner, I guess. Speculating yeah. in that topic is quite hard, especially with the amount of variety that is added to artifacts. Yeah, okay. I mean, if if I'm I'm thinking, if I just want to say my personal opinion, I think it will be the best system would be if we can just have, I mean, if, if the game allows to have all legendary set on, um, but it should be like, as we said, it it should be like well, I think it should be like in like in Guild Wars Two, where the items basically just give stats, and then of course Core Punk is also got to have stat item and active item. So uh, yeah, I, I think it personally, it's yeah, if if the game has full legendary set, you should be able to do it, but it it should only and only be for the hardcore players and not someone who just did a looking for rage, something like that. One last thought on this topic, and we'll start with Sebastius and then go uh, to Devalin. Uh, I want to talk about what you guys normally do in games, and uh, I'm asking specifically about um, theory crafting and meta chasing, or just straight up taking what you get and living with it. Uh, starting with Sebastius, what kind of player are you going to be in this game uh, without giving too much away about your? Uh, secret play styles that you will bring to core punk, but are you going to be theory crafting um, the best builds and and chasing the meta, or are you going to be living with what you get and just powering through? Uh, I'm definitely not going to be meta chasing and theory crafting though, because I theory craft only in card games and to be specific, Magic the Gathering. But in the MMO, I like to play casually mostly. Okay. Like, I want to play the game the way I want to play it, not to be the best or go for the top 10 on the server. I'm just chilling out in the games. And in Corepunk, I think my place I will be, I will just leave what I get, and it will be nice to save up some money and buy some good gear in equipment. But again, I need to see the items, then I can decide if I want to already craft or just <laughs> use finished builds. Yeah, but sure. I definitely won't be used internet builds. I just hate using someone builds. I like I like to create my own, even though it's a little bit less stronger than the meta top tier. But I just like to have things my way. I 100% respect that. I I feel like I'm the same kind of player. Sometimes I will go and and search out an, an OP build if I want to get ahead in a MOBA or something like that. But um, in MMOs, I'm I'm the same way. I want to play it how I want to play it uh, with the gear that I want to use, and um, you know sometimes that isn't in the meta. Uh, as I mentioned previously, my main in Guild Wars Two was an engineer, um, and I wasn't always like the, the strongest player out there, but I had so much goddamn fun playing that engineer, running around and throwing turrets and using my flamethrower and uh, all this. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there on that. Uh, Devalin, what's your take on this? Well, it's funny because if you go back um, probably a half year, one year ago, the only thing I was doing uh, for my YouTube channel was was only creating guides on how to play, you know, spec of OP builds in World of Warcraft. Uh, so I was actually the person who made the builds and then a lot of people saw them and, you know, played the builds. Uh, so I, I kind of like to well, honestly, I like to go to the websites, find the best builds in the game, and then, then like transform them into something. I should say something that I like to play because sometimes people with the high tier they play with a spec while they get a spell. While I'm like, why would anyone use this spell? It's horrible to use. It's of course good on the damage meter, but it's really unfun to play with. Um, so I normally take like the best builds, then I ch- transform them a little bit. And then I like to create my own guides uh, to make other people play with them. But that's my own playstyle. That I like to take the top tiers and then change them a little bit so it fits me. But I still want to be that guy who uses what the top people are using. Because, I mean, if they're using it, 
there must be a reason for it. So you can probably call me a bit of star struggle. Uh, that's fair. I mean, you're taking uh, something and then modifying it to fit uh, your your play style. I think that's also pretty cool because um, it does give you a good base, a good foundation to start with. And maybe that's a good recommendation for new players to do is to take something that's out there and then uh, work uh, their own sort of spin on it. That has been topic one, the conversation on items provided by Ice King. A really interesting point uh, and uh, a really interesting topic. And I think all of us are dying to see more about items and to uh, be able to further this conversation in the future. Hello, my name is Valen. Are you looking for a YouTuber or a content creator who are mostly talk about CorePunk and actually have met the CorePunk developers in real life and even on the Christmas day? Well, that's me. Go to youtube.com slash dvalindk, D-V-A-L-I-N-D-K. Again, youtube.com slash dvalindk. I am doing a lot of content about CorePunk, but also about other MMORPG games and RPG games. So come and follow me and follow the journey through Corpunk the game itself. Thank you and have a nice life. Okay, and welcome back to Corecast episode four. This is topic two and Shivo has provided the topic for topic two. He says, uh, could you try talking a bit about boss design in an isometric MMO? So uh, a bit different take on the MMO genre here with Corpunk, a bit of a Diablo view uh, as far as the camera goes. And we've already seen a little bit of a boss fight in the trailer and some of the uh, sort of dungeon crawling that led up to it. Uh, so Devalin, we'll start with you on this one. Let's talk about boss fights and the design going into these bosses. You played a lot of MMOs and you played a lot of World of Warcraft. And so you've played a lot of uh, probably traditional boss fights. How is that uh, going to differ in this view, in your opinion? Uh, and what do you hope to see just from your experience from boss fights uh, in the boss fights in Corpunk? Well... First of all, the, the very interesting thing here is that all the MMO I have been playing is pretty much, um, you know, MMOs where, huh, where, where you have, where you actually see it in third person. Uh, you see like from below, from behind your character, or even first person. But having an MMO where we're seeing from, what, what does people call it, top view, eagle view, something like that? Um, yeah, it's almost a bird's eye view, but not quite, just not quite that drastic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. So, so boss fights is just gonna be so so different because in World of Warcraft, if something happened behind you, you wouldn't see it because you have to actually face your cam around. But in this game, you can basically see what whatever is going to happen around you, um, and it, it's really new for me. I have read, I haven't really played much a lot of games like this. But if you ask me, how would a perfect boss fight be in this case? Well. I don't want the boss fights to be these typical dungeons and other MMOs where you go in, a tank tanks the ta well, a tanks tank the boss, a healer is healing, and three DPS is just standing still and da damaging. That's like the most boring thing ever. There needs to be some kind of a telegraph on the earth that is showing you, well, if you stand here in the next three seconds, you're probably gonna die, um, or something like that. You know, very closely to like what Wildstar. Well, rest in peace, Wildstar. We 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 miss you all. Um, well, a game like Wildstar had a really good boss fights with all the telegraphs on the earth, and I know World of Warcraft is also doing, also doing something like that now, but telegraphs on the earth, people are knowing, okay, I have to move out of this, things are moving, you have to actually move around and, and do a lot of hectic stuff. That That is my favorite ones, but I also like a good puzzle in the boss fight itself. I mean, if you go into the raids in in, I know Destiny is probably, it's not called MMORPG, but if you go into Destiny and do the boss fights at their raids, they are so hardcore and puzzle-ish 
that it's like sometimes impossible to do them. And I love a good well boss fight like that. But I don't think the boss fights in in wild well sorry Copunk should be so hardcore in dungeons. I think dungeons should be for everyone who could explore. But I think the raids should have boss fights that is like impossible. If you don't have a group that is strong enough, you should not be able to see the last boss in a raid in in Copunk. Um, but dungeons, I feel like I think the boss fights in dungeons should be for everyone. Everyone should be able to explore it, have fun, kill the bosses. Well, in, a, in some kind of a great, but raid bosses should definitely be hardcore, puzzleish, and you really have to sit down, draw on your whiteboard, and say, "Both you have to go to left, Dwalin go right, Sebastian go underground, something like that." That's that's what I think is a great boss fight when you actually have to talk about the tactics and not just say, okay, have anyone read the text? No, okay, let's just kill it anyway, if you follow me. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this a bit in the past. We were both a fan of puzzles. And I think uh, also with this isometric view, you can have a lot of uh, changes and hazards in the environment. A lot of things that uh, like for- floors will drop out and, you know, and then lava will will be exposed, and you have to avoid that. Uh, just for an example, um, a lot of the stuff you can do in this view because you can see the um, the floor so much better, and you you always have an idea, like you said, of what's kind of going on around you. So, a lot of action and movement and changes in the environment, uh, plus uh, different uh, puzzle aspects, like you said. I think yeah. would really make it uh, something special. Uh, as we've seen already, um, dying and potentially wiping uh, is definitely going to be a thing. And I think to your point, uh, on the raid side of things, you need you really need to expect to wipe a lot um, and and figure out how this thing actually works. And hopefully, uh, you're dying because you are applying uh, these ideas of a traditional MMO boss fight to something that's not that. And it's something that instead uh, they have a really tricky out-of-the-box take on it. And uh, and if you're only applying this uh, very conservative or traditional view of a fight, it's not going to work. That's what I hope we'll see. So that you really have to start thinking like, damn, what are we doing wrong? Like, this worked in every other game. Why isn't it working now? Well, that's because uh, you actually miss the signs of uh, the puzzles or uh, the potential environmental stuff uh, that you need to do. And I I think that's what I I hope to see from it. Uh, Sebastius, what's your take on this? I'm going to say a proper opinion on this, to be honest. Because an isometric view... It sure adds a lot of depth because you know what is going around. You're not only in front of you and one meter behind you, like in third person. But I think it really simple simples up the thing. So isometric view tends to be very simple when it comes to boss fights, and making it making it complicated is quite hard from the developer side of view. I think we're gonna see more complicated patterns of bosses' attacks and skill more than a positive approach to the boss. That's how I see it so far. But I may be wrong. Okay, so you think that instead of um, sort of ramping up the overall environment and surroundings of the player, it's going to be more about uh, just the insanity of the attacks and the pacing of them and... uh, Yeah. Yeah, that well as well, but I think in isometrics, uh, I'm gonna bring up Path of Exile as example. It's much fun to do. Uh, instead of changing environment in one place, it's much funnier and easier to do like chambers. So you're gonna bring down the boss to a certain amount of health, and you're gonna change the chamber, you're gonna change the attacks, and stuff like that. So you need to chase him after he gets like, for example, he gets to half HP. He runs to the other chamber. Whole right needs to whole right needs to go to another chamber, and he changes his, his attacks. When you bring him up to one free, third HP, the wall between chambers broke, and you have one big arena. Boss gets berserk mode, grows up in size, and you're gonna have pretty fast wipe if you don't kill him fast enough. Something like that. 
Mm, yeah, interesting. I, we've seen this before in, in other games. And I don't know how yeah, I yeah. feel about it. I, I think my... So the way you described it, I I like the sound of it because I feel like it it adds this level of immersion. You know, the, the boss smashes through the wall because he's mad or he breaks through the floor and you all fall down to another level. Um, this can be definitely be immersive. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the feeling like as a player sometimes when you're in that situation and you get them to have health um, and then they run away um, is, if it's not done right, I think it can be frustrating. But if it's done well, I think it's cool. Uh, yeah, if it's done wrong, it's maybe frustrating. We saw it many times. You know yeah, what I mean? Like just... you're like you think you're you're getting him, and then he runs off. But if it's if it's shown as that it's just the progression in the fight, then I think that's fine, and that can actually be kind of cool. Well, I think it won't be that frustrating as long as it doesn't uh, have some bugs that resets him if he runs out. Right. Right. If he ran away and disappeared, and then you were just like thrown back into the world, and then had to fight him again later at some yeah. other time, that would that would suck. I think that stages will be the way to go with harder bosses. To okay. be honest, because in isometric games, it may seem that it looks harder, but to be honest, in mobile style games and MMORPGs in general, isometric views are straighten things up. To be honest. Because it's not that hard to manage something you see around yourself. You see everything around yourself. And here we have unlockable camera, so we can pretty easily see whole terrain. But I think it will be easier than a third-person game. Because in third-person, you have a things in both design like that won't work in isometric game. Okay. And Devalin... Um, what do you think about this uh, this sort of like tiered approach to it? Have you experienced this in a game before? Well, I think uh, there's actually quite well. There's actually a big category of well, category library of bosses in, in World of Warcraft who does the same things. Um, you you mentioned, for example, the one with breaking through the the the, the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. That that one. The they have a really cool. A uh, boss called Blackhand. I'm not sure if you heard about him. Big orc, white skin. His hand is replaced with a sword, I think. Okay. But he's he's every time you think get him down to like 25 percent or something like that, he's he's breaking through the floor and you get to a new level, but it just gets more insanely, insanely, insanely. Uh, but I agree. I, I agree with you with that point that you're saying that if you get a boss down to like 50 percent, then he then he runs away, and then the next 10 minutes you're going to face trash mobs. And then he comes back after that, and if you if you wipe through trash mobs, you kind of wipe the raid, and you like. Uh, uh, I I kind of agree with that. That's that that can suck. <laughs> if I if I can say it that way. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's just a, it's a matter of how it's done, and also like you know, there's there's a lot of times when you're fighting bosses that. Uh, you you can't get them past a certain amount of health unless you figure out uh, the mechanics around it. And also, I think, in my opinion, if that's not done right, that can be uh, you know kind of frustrating as well, because you think you're doing the right thing and uh, you're not, but you you don't have any tells to tell you that. Um, and I, I think that that you know is a fine line between figuring out what the puzzle is and actually having some intelligent uh, feedback from the game as well, which I think you need to have a balance of. And yeah. Sebastius, do you have any last thoughts on this conversation? I think I will add one point to this topic because I was actually in the discussion with Shiva were discussing a boss fights and it started off by size of the boss. So we can also discuss the immersivity of the boss fight depending on its size, because that's how the discussion initially started. Because it's a mesometric game, so you can't make too big bosses because it will clunky up the screen and take too much space. But I think it can be done pretty easily with static boss fights, if they're going to be so. Like, the boss doesn't move. You only see half of his body that's sticking out of the void or something like that. 
and you're gonna fight the first half, then you're gonna move underground and fight his legs separately or something like that. <laughs> I like that. That would be fun. Yeah, that that's a funny that's a funny take on it. Do you think uh, to that point? Do you think uh, there would be the possibility of uh, the camera actually pulling back out during a boss fight um, so that everything is a lot smaller? Or do you think this is not a uh, something that would happen? It depends from the design team. Yeah, view. sure. Because I don't know how the camera system were done from the development side. So I can't really say. Because it seems like it's easy thing to do, to zoom out the camera to the point uh, you need to see the whole boss. But from the design, if the camera system is done what I think it's done, then you can have a little bit problems from the design side of making such thing happen. Because you're going to first need to detect the boss chamber or is it going to be placed. So first you need to insert place or boss detector somewhere in the camera system. Then you're going to need to zoom out the camera. And then you're going to need to... Because you have a focus for, yeah? So it all depends where how the party members are set up to see, uh, to increase its visibility. And if you're going to zoom out too much, it might lead to some visual bugs, like seeing something that normal player wouldn't see with normal camera on max range. Right. Like end of all, the void, because the dungeons are closed areas. Yeah. Right. So we can see at minimap that it has something like, if you are playing games, you probably many times must see in Counter-Strike if you played it. You can see that if you allow people to see more than it is intended to see, they're going to see a void and m many visual bugs. That's the problem here. Absolutely. And a game like that doesn't like to showcase the bugs to players, especially after open beta. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting conversation. It also um, goes back to the conversation about how many players will actually be in raids, because you just mentioned four. And in previous conversations, we talked about, will there be a possibility of more players? In Oh, I didn't mention four. I just mentioned people. Okay. So by how many? Because I know raids are going to be 12 to 20. Right. So with this many players on the screen, a point to that is... Uh, you're going to need to figure out how to manage this uh, in in many different ways and uh, figure out if your uh, friend needs healing who's off the screen um, how how you manage that uh, and how you manage all these players in one location. But that's uh, I think a topic for another time. This has been. Yeah, I just to bring it up because I know people who discuss the topic about bosses first started off by camera work. Right. It's it, well, I mean, the camera is a huge differentiator of this game from other MMOs. So yeah. it's an important conversation and it's going to really shape this game in a lot of ways. So I, I think it's a great topic. And the number of, uh, of players that will be allowed to participate in dungeons and raids is also a very important topic as well. We can bring this back, I think, after we've played a bit, right? And and experienced uh, some of this for ourselves and, and see what it actually looks like. Shout out to Shivo for the question about boss design in an isometric MMO. That's been topic two here on CoreCast. Greetings, adventurer, and welcome to CorePunk. An MMORPG where you'll experience fog of war in a vast, seamless open world. Miles and miles of wilderness to get lost in. Discover a small camp in the middle of nowhere. Or a busy metropolis booming with life and activity. You are free to go wherever you want. Use public transport to reach remote locations fast and safe. Begin your journey by creating a hero. Each has its own unique role, abilities, and a set of fighting styles. Complete quests for NPCs who are too busy to do it themselves. You're gonna need a better gear for that. Kill monsters to earn gold. Shred them with your best move. Uh, be careful, though. They get pretty crafty when fighting as a unit. Grow crops, chop wood, 
Mine ore! Trade goods for missing resources to craft the weapon you deserve. Suit up! It won't make you stronger, but you'll look absolutely fabulous. Choose a set of talents. Boost yourself with artifacts to become the ultimate war machine. Use fog of war wisely to hunt down and ambush your enemies. Attack those who dared to take your farming spot. Then chill in a city, show off your loot, and find reckless companions to take on a challenge that no one else has the guts for. Welcome back to CoreCast. This is topic three, and this is now a tradition on the show to ask the new guest what their dream class in CorePunk would be. Uh, so far, Devalin and Dragum have provided their dream classes. Uh, I, I sort of touched on mine a little bit in the in the first episode where we discuss this, uh, but now a reoccurring theme to the show. And we'd like to ask Sebastius now. Uh, Sebastius, what is your dream class for Corepunk? If you create, could create a class with no limitations to look, ga uh, gameplay, mechanics, style, feel, uh, any of that stuff, uh, what would it be? Mm, I think it's going to be Midi Shaman with totems. Okay. Uh, you can uh, elaborate on that and uh, tell us like how it would look and how it would play. Yeah, sure. I'm thinking more something like a World of Warcraft Ragnar, where he, he has claws, yeah, and he also uses force of nature. So, on the looks, it's gonna be something like your typical shaman in wooden masks, some stuff like that, with claws as a weapons. It's gonna place totems that boosts him and party members. He's gonna have one dash to jump out to people because melee classes usually need dash to get close to casters and stuff like that. And it's gonna just place totems that are gonna boost him his auto attacks and uh, party members. Maybe some healing ability, some fire, lightning, stuff like that. Okay. Well, I, I have a question for you on, on that one. If because I, I I when I talked about my class I told I said which which free specs I would like to have. If you if you should say free specs that you want your shaman to have what should the different difference see be between oh, these specs? Yeah, yeah. So, so first spec gonna be your tank, where he has an a tremor totem or something like this that boosts the aggro of mobs on him. Then he's gonna have some killing ability, some taunts, and some AoE to clear to help clear team trash mobs. Second specialization would be DPS, where he places a totem that uh, emanates the Nova. Uh, IOE damage in the circles, some stuff like that. And he's gonna use Train Lightning, stuff like that. And he's gonna have some AOE spells as an addition. And first spec, I think it should be support where he has a lot of totems that boost party members. Oh. That's just my final idea. I don't see it much. Maybe it will be, but I think not in this game. But we will see. Maybe uh, somewhere in the future. That's a cool take on it. And it's uh, it's a bit nature freaky like uh, Devalin likes. So Devalin, uh, what do you think about this uh, totem placing shaman? Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if, when I played... Uh... Of MMOs like WoW and so on, my druid was always the first pick, but I was always, 
I was always cheating on him with a with a shaman. Um, so so I, I'm I'm kind of following Sebastian's. Uh, that would be so legit to have a shaman in Corbunk. That would be so cool. If if he has a, if he can transform into a wolf or something like that, I'm sold. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I'm always a fan of this this kind of character that can uh, place things in the environment and uh, help the team through either being uh, tanky or supportive. Um, uh, this is a a really cool concept as well, and I, I think maybe and maybe I'm completely off base here, but I think out of all of the uh, suggestions so far, this this one feels like the close to being uh, possibly a reality in the game. But maybe I'm completely off base, or maybe have, I haven't had enough coffee. I'm not sure, but um, this one seems like very uh, doable and very friendly to this. Um, character creation that we've uh, had a glimpse into in this game. Anything else to add to your uh, dream character, Sebastius? Oh, I think I don't have what? anything to add. Uh, a last question for you, Sebastius. Now that we know that uh, these um, heroes in Coalpunk is going to be, you know, you can't choose race or anything. It's like getting you're getting locked. Which, which race would you prefer to be as the shaman? Oh, that means a race. Hmm, that's a tough question, to be honest. <laughs> well, but I it's mean, definitely you... gonna be some fantasy like race. Hmm, but let me think a bit. You know, a, a very characteristic standard sh- uh, dwarf or orc yeah. or troll. Even okay. if they if they add a torrent to the game, that would be sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the idea is that all of these uh, these races come from different places, right? Uh, to yeah, to come because... here. According to the lore, you're an outsider from the planet, so it could be anything. Exactly. Which is cool, because it opens up a lot of possibilities. Maybe some robotic race, because uh, it will just look cyberpunk-y, the totem's gonna be just mechanical uh, devices, cybernetic devices, stuff like that, alien technology, something, stuff like that. I know it might sound weird, but having a robotic shaman that places robotic totems is quite fun. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I know you lost Duval in there, uh, but you you got me sold on it. Uh, I love it because it's sort of like <laughs> um, putting two opposites together, right? It's like putting this uh, nature-infused idea mm-hmm. and putting it into a yeah robot yeah. body. But according to the fantasy so far and science fiction, the robots are the things that are very broad term and can do anything. Depends on the design of the robot. So I think ro- robot will have a much easier way to deal with nature than a human when it comes to fantasy. But it's going to be more like a fantasy mix. And they're definitely going to be more immersive because usually shamans spawn totems out of nowhere and robot will have animation that he builds them or throws something that and it expands. Like, you know, like those from science fiction films where you throw a small cube somewhere and it uh, grows into something bigger. Yeah, it expands, it grows legs, yeah, yeah. starts spinning, lights come out. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Devalin, you hate this. I can tell already. I can feel it through the mic. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's now doing a dragon too. So first his his class was also sounding really cool and then he talked about all this fantasy, oh, sorry, cyberpunk thing and then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> That's okay. There's something for everyone in this game, hopefully. It's going to uh, go by armor anyway. So. That would be funny if the robot was wearing, like, uh, you Some know. Some red armor, yeah. Yeah. Like the boat is yesterday on official Discord, I guess. Yeah. I guess cosmetics need to, needs to be locked because I don't see Bomberger in full plate armor or stuff like that. Oh, in some uh, some leather armor and some uh, plant based. Um, yeah, yeah, because stuff. cosmetics gonna be unlocked. You saw the samurai armor concept art, yeah, from Fidens. Yeah, and let's see. Imagine if cosmetics are not class locked and Bombergill wears that armor. I I, I love it. I, I I personally love it. I, I love the the freedom of it and being able to like, uh, for example, every, you know, everyone's saying that. Um, the using this battle mage in Albion Online, basically with the plate armor, um, is you know not a smart thing to do because you're taking a hit on um, your healing and on your damage output. But 
you know what? I look like a badass and uh, I'm having fun with it. And it, and you know, it's, I think it's a pretty unique look uh, to have a book in one hand, a staff in the other, and then full uh, metal armor, like a knight. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I think it would be, would be funny because then you get, uh, Devalin sort of back in your corner. It's like, yeah, he's a, a druid. Okay, cool. Nature freaky. And then, um, oh, but, uh, cyberpunk base and he's a robot. Uh, okay. And then you say, but, um, he's got like this full on nature inspired, uh, woodlands, uh, gear yeah, theme yeah, to him exactly <laughs> that would be funny i mean the point because i didn't describe his lore because i was still creating it in my mind the point is that uh, you're an outsider yeah as a as a lore goes so far so he lands in an alliance kingdoms and they make him paint him like nature-based robots something like that <laughs> you know you get a mix that is a remoting that lands in the Lion Kingdoms, they take him as a hoster, then they're gonna see he's an intelligent form and they're gonna turn him into friendly nature robots, something like that. Something like Bastion in Overwatch. Very nice. Oh. Devalin? Any last uh, words on this topic? No, I'm all good. <laughs> all right. That has been Design Your Dream Class for Core Punk, topic three. And uh, it's it's been a great conversation. Uh, shout out to uh, Shivo for the the idea of making it a recurring theme. And uh, I really look forward to seeing uh, what people bring to the table in the future. Hello, and thank you for listening to the CoreCast podcast. It's your host, Boast, and I appreciate you being here. This is a passion project for me around a game that I have high hopes for, something that has blended my absolute favorite genres into what so far looks like uh, could be an absolute masterpiece. And that's where this intensity and this excitement and this passion comes from from me. I wanted to give back to the community creatively and that's how this podcast was born. We're going to be putting it up on our YouTube channel and on our Spotify channel uh, for your consumption. So please don't hesitate to subscribe, like, follow, and join us here at the CoreCast podcast. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next topic. Okay, welcome back to CoreCast episode four. This is topic four, and this is getting into our uh, risk-reward, unpopular opinion, or uh, potential concerns category. And this conversation, this topic comes from The Godless. And the question is, why only a few people will have legendary items? And to expand on this thought, um, and we, we know that um, there will be some items that are going to be super, super rare um, in the game. And why, why that's going to be, how that's going to be, um, how do you think that's going to affect uh, the community and the players? And then I have a follow-up on that, um, which I, I think is actually kind of a cool idea that I'm going to share with you. But first, uh, let's hear uh, from Devalin about uh, legendary items, uh, super rarity, and uh, what that's going to potentially look like. Well, um, so we can't, we kind of scratched this one also a little bit on the top. Um, and I think legendary items should be something that is only for the hardcore players or the really extreme players. It's, it's of course unfair for the people who are able to play two hours each day because of family and so on. Like myself, I have probably two to four hours every evening. 
Um, and well, that's maybe the thing that it's not make, it's not giving me access to give, get legendaries. But I also hope that if they have like a, a raid with three difficult difficulties on, I also think that that maybe the last one should be able to earn you one. Um, but yeah, I, I think the legendary should be something that is really rare. And if you see someone in the city with it, it that you know that this guy here, he's extreme and he's like, you know, a no-life, a co-punk fan. Um, I don't feel like it's something that people can boost up on so they can like say, hey, hey we're selling this raid for $200. Come and join and you get a free legendary. That's that's also something I think is wrong. It should be something where the person has actually to be active. Uh, a really good system I liked in, in World of Warcraft is that uh, if you wanted to get the legendary Shadowmorn Axe in the Lich King expansion, you had to do a lot of things. You had to do a lot of like crafting stuff. You have to like follow a quest and you had to do so many things. So you couldn't just get boosted. It was actively your choice. If you want to follow this, you have to do it. Um, the problem I see in Guild Wars 2 is that basically you can get a legendary with no problems. You can just use your MasterCard, buy a lot of gold, and then you can buy it on Auction House. That's how you can get it the fastest way, a legendary in Guild Wars. Or, of course, you can use what, I don't know, you, you, you better know that boast, but you can use, use a lot of, lot of months to grind the legendary. <laughs> or you can just have your dad's MasterCard ready by your side. Yeah, And that's like, that's, yeah. Mm. Well, that, that's probably how I look at it. I don't feel like legendary should be rewarded easily. It has to be something that is really cool. But another thing I would say about this, I also think if you're going 12 man into a raid, really hardcore, we use seven days to clear this. It's only like two hours before it resets. We finish it and the last boss drop legendaries. I actually feel that everyone in the party should get a legendary. I don't feel like the only one of them should get a legendary. I feel everyone then deserve this legendary from this boss because everyone has been using, I don't know, 68 hours on clearing this raid on this difficult, then I think everyone should get a legendary for their class. And then they have this legendary, only this legendary that can get from this 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 raid. And that's all. And as far as we know, if you get this legendary, it's a legendary artifact, it's possible for you to drop this when you're killed? No. No, 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 no. That that it should have like a stat. It should like in the bottom of the item that should be like un well un un undroppable, unkillable, unsellable. It should be an item that you it will haunt you forever. It's bound it will to you. Always, exactly. It will yeah. always be in your mm -hmm. bag. You you can you can't even drop it. You can't even sell it. You, if you want it that way, you at least have to put it in the bank. Sebastian, so what, what, so. what do you think about mm -hmm. this? You talked before that you wanna go a full set of legendaries that gonna not limit you. And dro not dropping it is quite against the karma system idea itself, I think. Yeah, that, are, that's why I bring it up. Uh, because th if you're a player killer and you're you're hunted down, uh, there's a potential for you to drop an artifact, right? And maybe potentially right. a legendary artifact? Well, potentially. It will be random, most probably. Okay. But I think uh, the point is we don't know how legendary is going to look. And in my view... Legendaries should be like that. They shouldn't be so much stronger than the, your normal epic items because they add one stat and... Oh, how do I phrase it? <laughs> okay, they shouldn't be so much stronger. There should be, there should be small amount of power advantage between the common legendaries you can get and the super rare legendaries you can get. Because I think from the sites you can craft ones, so we will see a lot of legendaries crafted, unless we have some very rare materials to craft them. But I think they shouldn't be so much stronger, because they should give a small amount of advantage, so it's not going to be so much advantage that the normal player will feel out in PvP, for example. Like, you know, he has one legendary, the other guy has six epics, and he's gonna die pretty fast, like in three seconds from the guy with legendary, because that's gonna be just unfair. But the small advantage between the legendaries and the epic is gonna be nice. So it's more, it becomes more of a trophy at that point, right? Like, yeah, more a trophy that actually gives better stats, but not so much that it will change the gameplay, like, totally. 
So, for example, let's say in PvP, you have 2,000 DPS in your epic gear from high and uh, dungeons, mm -hmm. and you have 2,000 DPS, and guy with legendary is gonna have 2,000 to 300 something around that. So it's gonna be a little bit more, but not so much that it will change the PvP scene and unbalance it. To be honest. Okay, because I, I had an idea based on this this um, topic, and and this is a this is definitely a like speculative uh, idea, but yeah, yeah, sure. Whole topic is speculative. Uh, we said it in the first topic on items. Yeah, sure. But we don't know how items and legendaries will look like, how they will work, so we're just speculating. So that said, if it was possible to drop a legendary artifact, I thought what would be cool was. Uh, in games like uh, Rocket League, and there's uh, there's other games that do this, uh, I believe Call of Duty does it as well, um, where there's items that you can equip, and those items then uh, record a history of what you've done with that item, like so many kills. Uh, you know, maybe it could be who's owned it before you. But how cool would it be if there was this crazy legendary like uh, artifact, for example, um, that was um, Gained like like the ring in Lord of the Rings, for example, gained by someone, lost in a battle, picked up by someone else, and over the period of time, it uh, captured sort of the story of who had worn it and what crazy things they had uh, done yeah. with it. I think that would be really cool. I mean, that's some somewhere against the point of development when it comes to dropping to such items. <laughs> because most items gonna be bind and equip, so once you equip it, they stick to you to get forever. And if you drop them or lose them by death when being a criminal, they yeah. gonna turn into materials. So I think if a legendary items breaks, it will turn into some rare materials that you can use to craft another legendary using uh, epic recipes. Okay. That's, that's, that's cool. I, I can't wait to see how this plays out. Yeah, but it still depends how the legendaries are looking. Yeah. Because we've seen that so far, we've seen that legendaries are just having one more additional passive stat. Yeah. Devalin, any uh, last thoughts on this topic? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it sound, well, the last thing I want to say is that it's, it, of course, it sounds cool that you can kill people and they have a chance to drop the legendary. Uh, I know it's only player killers who's able to drop that, but for some reason, uh, yeah, as Sebastian is saying, that it will be against what the development cycle is right now. That each item, when you drop an item, it goes into materials, and I, I don't feel like a random player who just kills a player killer should be awarded with a legendary because he was just lucky. Uh, so yeah, I feel like you can only get the legendaries from actually really earning them but i see your point with the ring uh, it would be really cool to have this item that has a history uh, but i mean just imagine when 700 players had it it would be like a lock file <laughs> from hell <laughs> sure fair enough maybe it just I mean, records that's... kills or something but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just the nature of open world pvp at this point to be honest when there is a system where it drops items you need to somehow balance it so uh, you know guys that group up to camp a player gets his items. I think I saw it in EVE Online where some guild camped for a spaceship to log in the game for like four years or something like that. And they, they then they killed the guy and got loot worth, I think, $50,000 or something like that because they were waiting four years for a guy to log in the game. Yeah, I read that too. That's insane dedication. I, I hope we see dedication like that in Core Punk. I, I feel like... Uh, Sebastius, you're going to bring some some insane dedication to this game. Yeah, no. I look forward to it. At this point, I'm not so much into the actual game, I'm more into the community. Because I perceive games as a thing, oh, it's fun to play, it's very good to play a game, it's good to spend their time there, and free time, of course, because, you know, there's work, family, and stuff like that. But I think in general, Core Punk will be a good game and I will be happy to find myself in it for a longer period of time. But we will see once it's released. Yeah, we all might get bored after it like for two, three months. We can't say about some, anything about this before we touch it with our own hands. <laughs> yeah. At this point, because 
right now we have only Trader and some promises and Discord text message. That's just theory. Fair enough. So we will need to wait. But I will be happy to indulge into such a game for a longer period of time. Fair enough. Good. Very good point. And Devalin, um, before we go, would you like to see uh, or say anything to your adoring fans or anyone out there that's maybe new to Core Punk? Uh, anything that you want to tell them? Now's your chance. Well, I'll just say they are all awesome for being on this podcast and listening. And uh, if they want, if you want to know out there any news about Core Punk, uh, if you, anything you need to know about Core Punk, you can follow me on YouTube. It's D-V-A-L-I-N-D-K, Dvalin D-K. And I will make, I'm, I'm making content about all the news, all the news. So if you want to know anything about Core Punk, you come over to me. Else, well, thanks for listening to this Core Punk podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's early. It's really early, guys. And I appreciate you guys for being here this early. I appreciate myself for being up this early as well. Um, <laughs> it, it was a late night last night, and it was hard to get up this morning. And I definitely am going to have a massive coffee uh, after this is done. Uh, Sebastius, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Would love to have you back in the future. Uh, I loved hearing your perspective on everything uh, from the game to life itself. Uh, anything you want to say to uh, anyone out there uh, that's listening or to your uh, your Polish community as well? Well, I don't have much to say. I would just say, if you have no time to watch dwelling videos about the game, you can always jump into official Discord and ask questions there. People gonna respond to them. That's right, because right now we've got nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just scraping info. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to run this podcast again. Thank you so much again to Devalin and Sebastius for joining today. This has been episode four of Corecast, the Core Punk podcast. You're going to find this on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, and Reddit as well. All of the links are in the description below. It's been just a blast talking about this game. And the game isn't even out yet. We, we've got nothing but an announcement trailer and some tidbits of information from the developers. And we are still having tons of fun making content about it. Thank you so much for listening. And on behalf of Devalin, Sebastius, and the CoreCast staff, we wish you a good day. And we can't wait to see you next time in CoreCast, the CorePunk podcast. Yeah.